Bert died not long after you left, Mary. Couldn't Have you ever known a chimney sweep lived a good age? <laughs> 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 Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, The Count of Monte Cristo. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like The Count of Monte Cristo, we're prepared for adventure, but count on revenge. (laughs) Which is true. That's actually quite apt. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. It's very apt to be honest. I think that's the most apt one. So don't ever leave us a bad review or we will falsely imprison you for 13 years. Um, Falsely. So if you've never heard this show before, why the hell not? Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including a caption contest, a quiz, some terrible impressions, some subpar xylophone playing, some lovely sound effects, and a whole host of banter. So this week's film on trial is The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, bastard. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing. You're trying something new Just, there, guys. Yeah, I was trying... I was trying something new, but obviously it didn't work. Anyway, I'll, I'll see if you've got a, a count sound effect. One. <laughs> there we go. Yes. So I was hoping for. Uh, so just to say, this will be a very, very spoilerific episode. So if you still haven't seen it yet, it's been out for about 17 years, guys. Come on, put your finger out. But you can watch this after. I mean, go and watch it and then listen to this afterwards. Or you can... Uh, just assume that we know what we're talking about or you can fast forward to our lovely quiz this week brought to you by captain dave which we will highlight in the comments section below so before we get on to the bulk of the show our last week's film on trial was mary poppins returns I said it last week, that is not a Mary Poppins no. soundtrack. That, that is the sound we agreed last week of Mary Poppins sliding up the banister and knocking the spindles with her feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ozzy, you judged that trial and you decided that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, you've since given your eyeballs, earballs and balls a treat by watching Mary Poppins Returns. Did you make... Yeah, that's right. Did you make the right call... I definitely did. Yeah, it was a great film. It was, um, yeah, everything that was said was, uh, especially what we said after the uh, the judgment. I think it was perfectly right. Yeah, it was really good. It really captured uh, captured my imagination. I did go and watch the first one just before it as well. So, oh, it was. I felt it was relatively true to. And did you form. did you like good. the first one as well? Yeah, I thought the first one was good. I preferred the second one actually, but I guess because I don't know, it's just storytelling styles, isn't it? It's a bit different, but. Okay. No, I really enjoyed it. It's good. Alex, I know that you've just seen it recently and you're edging to get your oh, comments in. I actually loved it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would agree. I thought it was better than the first one as well. Like, I think it's a bit more modern. and It was almost a bit like Mary Poppins does self-help a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so, yeah. Some of the songs are lovely, like yeah, yeah. really nice. Like that Ben Whishaw, I thought he was in, it, exceptional in that film. Yeah. My favourite thing in it by far. And um, yeah, I thought that song he does at the start, I, I found it very moving. If yeah, I'm very, very moving. Yeah, very moving. So Kicked you right in the feels. It really did. I didn't, I don't know probably what we said last week, but I wasn't a big fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Well, we're it. going to move on right now. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I, I thought, no, I think he's a good stage actor, obviously. He did Hamilton, is that yes. right? Yes. Uh, and obviously he's better than me if I was in that role. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, to put, just to put that there. But I just didn't think he quite had the, the star quality. The that. man exudes charm, Alex. I didn't, I didn't get that. Well, yeah. right, I'm going to move on now before I get too angry yeah. and say something I'm going to regret. But So before we go on to the bulk of the show, I think it's time for a little bit of news. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> I know that from somewhere. It was the, it was the counting song from Play Days. That's know. it. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> Catchy AF, man. You won't get that out of your head all day now. God, it just came screaming from the background of my childhood. <laughs> so uh, Aquaman. Aquaman has achieved over 940 million at the worldwide box office, making it the most financially successful DC extended universe film of all time, beating previous leaders Batman versus Superman. It's still going quite strong in China at the moment, and there is the possibility they could even cross the one billion worldwide mark before the month is out. Joel, you're a massive comic book fan. Uh, DC looked like they were struggling a lot a few months back, but this has made a hell of a lot of money. Do you think they're on the up again? 
It's going to be hard to say. I think it all hinges on some of their next films. I did actually read an article, I think it was today actually, saying that the the new Batman is going to be announced soon. Uh, and they're still not sure if, if Ben Affleck is going to be Batman or not. They're thinking not. Um, so it all rides on the next few films, doesn't it? And Aquaman, I don't think any of us have seen it, but I will definitely watch it when it's available to stream legally. <laughs> nice. uh, and um, you know, I, I, I we'll give our opinions on it. I'm sure then, but it didn't pique my interest uh, originally. But I'm sure uh, you know I'm wrong. Okay, right. That's well. so often the case. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the hell up. So, talking about big, beautiful, leading men, I just want to ask you guys: Can you smell that? Jeez, oh, I wish I didn't. You've been practicing. <laughs> yes, obviously. I, you know, I didn't used to mind The Rock until we'd start talking about him every single week, and now I can't stand well, him. We haven't, we haven't talked about, spoken about him every single week. Uh, new year, new rock news, essentially. Um, so, Ozzy, um, there has been some casting news for the upcoming Jumanji sequel, hasn't there? There has indeed, there has indeed, and you're all in for an absolute treat. Danny DeVito? Okay. Yeah, I don't know anymore other than that he's going to be in the new Jumanji movie I will, I will that. that would make me want to watch it more mm. so he's, he's been cast in an as yet unconfirmed role so be it, interesting it's gonna I, be, I believe he's going to be one of the people that gets sucked into the board game so like in the, in the first one it was like oh, okay. uh, high school kids Clearly, it's going to be. I'm guessing people are older now. So yeah, Dan DeVito is going to be one of them, and oh, then so, someone so will be. Character. Yeah, someone will be his avatar. So, well, so it, it will be in at the start and at the end, right. so, yeah. sort of. Yeah, as in, yeah, the the film will be around about him, but it won't necessarily be about it, him because it's about the avatars, isn't it? I'm quite a huge It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan, and like I haven't seen a film with Danny DeVito in after watching that, so it's, I think it's going to be quite hard to go back it and is, think about definitely. him as Frank. You know, so such it's quite a big role in my head now Huge. so it's, to it's see mad. him do anything different is going to be a bit strange it'd be particularly good if he was frank oh, I'd love well I, I saw the trailer for the new dumbo film and he's he's in that as their ringmaster i think mm. and i was just thinking i don't know if i'll be able to watch him because no. i watched um a man on the moon and obviously that's a very different part mm, but yeah. i mean frank's just a very unique part <laughs> yeah but i it just felt off it was just like oh man he wasn't like pulling the gun out or an egg yeah, he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> just a despicable human being yeah so uh so yeah i mean i i don't know how well the, the film's gonna go i quite liked the, the new jumanji not just because the rock was in it by the way but i quite like the premise the concept of it but I, I don't know whether this would just be a case of sequelitis yeah. I, can't, just, I can't imagine it's got legs to do another computer game, yeah. Jumanji. Well, the fact of the matter is that this Jumanji, the, the, the most recent one, they've been working on that script for a while. Mm. And I don't know if they knew it was going to be as successful as it was, but it made a hell of a lot of money. And it kind of feels like they've rushed a sequel through um, just around The Rock's schedule. It, is The Rock in it? Yeah. It will make money. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Pretty much. Uh, okay, well, thank you very much for that. Um, so just moving on, last night saw the 2019 Golden Globes. We've spoken previously about some shock nominations and omissions, but were there any more surprises in store? Dave, you watched the ceremony, didn't you? What were your highlights? Um, well, first of all, to answer, were there any surprises? I'd say no. This played out pretty safely, I have to say. But the big thing about the Golden Globes is the reason why I pay attention to it is because it gives you an idea of what's going to happen in a few months come the Oscars. Mm. And that suggests that Remy Malik could be in with a shout if he does get an Oscar nomination for playing Freddie Mercury, which could be exciting. It suggests that um, Olivia Coleman could well be in a sh- with a shout for the favourite. It just it gives you a bit of an idea, a bit of a precursor of what the future may hold. I really want to see the favourite. <clears throat> I do too. It, it looks fantastic. It's very, very good. I Have really, you seen it? Yeah, I saw it in, um, in Boston. Oh, um, nice. It's very good. I, you I, went to Boston? Did I not mention that? No, you're not mentioning that at all. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to Boston, by the way, mate, and it was great. It was it was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I thought that it was going to be a really kind of serious drama and I was surprised by how funny it was. I was like laughing out loud throughout the entire thing. Olivia Coleman is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, she can do no wrong. She she really is. I think she's fa- like fantastic actor. I, I saw her acceptance speech yesterday for the Oscars. Um, sorry, the Golden Globes, and that was pretty funny. She referred to Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz as their bitches on stage, which I thought was quite good. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, were there any kind of omissions um, that you thought may have picked up the awards because? <clears throat> People thought that uh, Black Panther was going to get something, didn't they? And they didn't even get a... 
Lucky it got nominated, which, to be fair, for a superhero film, it was, it was good to be nominated. Yeah. Yeah, it's they more than really a lot want to do. be able to give that an award, but I don't think they can, can they? Well, I don't know. I mean, it was it was nominated. Uh, well, what actually won the best popular one uh, um, over Black Panther? Well, best motion picture for drama went to Bohemian Rhapsody, which was the category Black Panther was nominated in. Yeah, um, I mean, I wouldn't they say don't even seem like they're in the same league, do they? Like, not, not really. It's, it's a bit of a funny one, really. But it's, uh, yeah. And then comedy or musical, because Golden Globe strikes it down the middle, was uh, Green Book, which does look quite interesting, actually. But it's, uh, Yeah, but it doesn't really look like a really laugh-out-loud comedy or a musical, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so. it, it, Golden Globes was good for British actors, though, wasn't it? There was a, really good. Ton. Ben Whishaw, again, got yeah. one for... Have you seen A Very English Scandal? Yes. TV show? Yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. I, uh, I started reading the book of that, actually, and that's quite uh, interesting. And also Richard Madden for The Bodyguards. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Benjamin Cumberbund. He got something, didn't he? Did he? Cumberbund? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where his first, like, miniseries thing. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, Christian Bale as well. Won, oh, Christian um, Bale, uh, yeah. Best Vice. leading actor for Vice in a comedy uh, slash musical. And his acceptance speech, he thanked Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Who provided the inspiration yeah. to play Dick Cheney. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, looking so, forward to that film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are just going to move on quickly here. So talking about spherical smooth things that many people covered. All right, Alex, it's time <laughs> oh. <laughs> for this week's film feels. I'm going to get past oh. my extremely oh, hurt feelings. <laughs> uh, so. A big part of the Count of Monte Cristo is he's in prison for, what, 13 years? 12, 13, 13 years, years. And, you know, he escapes. So I was thinking, what's your favourite escape from a prison sequence in a film? I mean, I know Shawshank's kind of got the, probably the best, but any any other ones you remember, like favourites you've got? There's Great Escape Count. Definitely it does. That, that count as a prison. Definitely does. I think the word escape gives it away there. <laughs> it's a great one, that Not one. Not technically yeah. a prison, though, is it? <laughs> Um, I, so we mentioned this just before in our WhatsApp group and our graphic designer, Winston, follow him on Twitter at the underscore quirks, by the way. He said, well, I already know what Ozzy and Gavs is going to be. Ozzy, <laughs> what was yours? Mine's going to be Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm sure. Yeah. And mine was Tango and Cash. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought uh, yours might have been the, the one where Arnie gets imprisoned and he has to make his way out of it. Escape plan. Escape plan. Mm, yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's a terrible film, though, isn't it? It's... Uh, I can't Gav. defend it. <laughs> what about that other one where Arnie... Escape is... plan too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Arnie's that, yeah, he's like a man made of ice in Batman. Batman and Robin. Yeah, doesn't he escape from a prison in that? Oh, he does, Everyone's yeah. escaping from prison. Everybody's yeah, escaped yeah. <laughs> That entire film is just a escape from prison. Yeah, because I know it's technically uh, the asylum. The he asylum. escapes from Arkham Asylum, doesn't Is it? Arkham Asylum not a prison, though? It sort of is. Yeah, if, yeah. if a POW camp's a prison for this, <laughs> for this discussion, right. I think an asylum can be. I was going to say my favourite is probably in V for Vendetta. Again, technically not a prison, but you know how she like she she thinks she's in prison for an entire year, and then she comes out and it's not actually a prison. He's constructed the whole thing, and then she's out in the rain. No, <laughs> just me. Uh, I really like. That I think bit. that would be one for uh, for films on trial. To be honest, what V for Vendetta? Yeah, because it's quite. A, it's I spicy, love V for Vendetta. Is it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Hansel, yeah. who, well, no, say I. Do you like Beef Vendetta? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right, yeah. I've never seen it, surprisingly John. enough. John? <laughs> all right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can't wait to do that episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for that, Alex. Okay, so on to the bulk of the show. This week's film, as mentioned before, is The Count of Monte Cristo. Ozzy? One. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> See, I think this is much better than a soundboard. Yeah, it's the least I could do. <laughs> uh, so, and it has been picked out of the hat at random, and it was nominated to us by Thirty Something Podcast, which is a great podcast, by the way. You can follow them on Twitter at Thirty Podcast. The roles have been picked out of the hat at random as well. In defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Aussie. Now, Ozzy is a bit like the Count of Monte Cristo. He dresses exceptionally well, but he definitely has a dark ulterior motive for his actions. <laughs> and in prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Joel. Joel's a bit like Fernand. You think he's all right at first, but you quickly realize he's actually a horrible bastard. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I never liked Fernand. He's <laughs> just like the, the, the speech for his wedding. <laughs> 
So just like real court advocates, Ozzy and Joel will be making the best case for their roles. This may or may not, however, be their real opinion. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to real their, hear their real thoughts. <laughs> Now, in the roles of character witnesses and lending their genuine opinions to the arguments are myself and Captain Dave. Dave and I are like Richard Harris's character, wise, bitter, and nearly dead. <laughs> Which means this week, I'm speaking on behalf of myself there, by the oh, way, Dave. Did, I've got secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so, which means that this week, Alex has the most important role, as he will be playing the judge. Alex is a bit like Dantes. Is it Dantes or Dantes? Dantes. Yeah, Dantes. Dantes is a bit like Dantes. His best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. But boring as fuck. <laughs> His best friends often conspire against him, and he dresses like somebody who's been in remote island prison for 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> now, and he's handsome. Now, Brucey must decide which he's list the film. <laughs> must go on either the hit or the shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion now before we actually get started on the trial i think we should give the listeners a bit of an understanding as to what the film is about so let's spin that wheel of impressions okay so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film this week it has landed on dave <laughs> so I get the synopsis. Um, so any, any any thoughts guys who, who do you want to hear him do an impression Richard of Harris. Richard Harris um, any other objections Richard Harris no Richard I Harris. think he's got probably the the most noticeable Harry person. Potter <laughs> <laughs> Harry it's essentially Potter. the same vibe again yeah, just, just do the Harry one? Potter for the whole which one okay so R- Richard Harris so, remind me Alex how does he how does he speak again Harry Potter Harry Potter he's kind of old Old English. Frail, frail English. Okay. <laughs> a young man, falsely imprisoned by his jealous friend, escapes and uses a hidden treasure to exact his revenge. Oh my God. That was, hey. that was amazing. That was really good. That was Seriously, really... did you know you could do Richard Harris that well? Uh, can I? Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. I'm happy with that. So, well done, Dave. Well done. Um, in fact... Hey. Well done, man. <laughs> Okay, so without further hesitation, Alex, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Thank you. I would like to. Um, so, fair fight, guys. I think I'm going to start with the defence. So, Ozzy, can you tell me why is this a hit film? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a tough one because there's so much going on in this film. But, it, you know, it's, it's got everything. It's got piracy. It's got Napoleon, uh, you know, in exile. There's betrayal. There's a guy in solitary confinement. There's secret messages. There's escape tunnels. There's piracy again all sorts of swashbuckling there's comic relief for plenty actually there's a full-on treasure map so if you think about everything that went on in um what's that last pirate film we did because that was pretty good just add to that yeah yeah it's you, that so yeah there's a treasure map. it's with um you get great costumes from like Parisian high society and then and then revenge and it's all in just under two hours which is perfect, you know. That's where Cut for Island went wrong, I felt. It was just a little bit too long. And now you've got a perfect film. It's set on a good story as well, behind his home. There's great performances from the actors. So um, Jim Caviezel? Caviezel. So he plays plays, uh, Dantes. And so like Dantes is this low-born adventurer guy and he gets betrayed by uh, Guy Pearce, uh, Fernand. And um, so, that, and then from there, he gets uh, he gets taken away. He's in solitary confinement in this uh, remote <laughs> prison island, and that's where you get sort of probably for me the the, the best bit of comedy comic relief is when uh, Richard Harris. So you, you get this scene where where um, where Jim Caviezel. Um, I'm just going to use this uh, character name because it's way easier to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> so it's where Dante's is um, you get this sort of growing. Um, stage where you see him just sort of sat there his hair's growing he's getting more and more bitter more and more despair he tries to kill himself and then um suddenly like this little mole hill appears and like and the head pops out of the ground and then and then re- there's richard harris and he comes out and it's like it's like a mr miyagi scene um where he's like this all-knowing character he's been trying to get a break out of the um He's stayed really upbeat. He's been there for even longer than Dantes, but he's um, he's upbeat. So they've had two totally different experiences of solitary confinement just because this guy's like, well, I've got hope. You know, I've been trying to break out of here. He's been tunneling for, you know, 10, 13 years in the wrong direction, but he's he doesn't mind, you know, he's, he's been keeping himself busy. 
And um, he teaches, uh, so he teaches Dantes like all these new ways, a whole new mindset. So you get to see him grow, you know, like a the Luke Skywalker Yoda sort of uh, feature. What I'm trying to do here is just compare this to as many other films as possible <laughs> as, as normal. But um, but that's so that section, it, it takes a little while. It builds up, but it's um, but it's a good story. It's good for the character development, and um, then he gets out. So and when he gets out with this like elaborate um plot because um Harris dies in the uh, in the escape. So then there's a little bit of a way where then he protect, he swaps the bodies and then he gets out and it's just a really clever way to go. You know, it's based on good source material. So you can, a lot of that is, you know, it, it's been done before. This is probably the 13th or 14th version of the film and it's a really good, ad- uh, good of the story. It's a really good adaptation. Um, sorry, I just lost my little, uh, my little point there. We've got, went off on one with Mr. Miyagi and his uh, Swiss <laughs> Brooklyn. Um, Luke Skywalker, Mr. Miyagi. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he, so he tutors him, you know, in, in how, how to get out and then um, some sort of like crazy martial arts. And when he gets out, he's, uh, he gets a, a, a great plan for, for revenge. He, find, he, he joins this, um, he joins these pirates, he gets to this island and then it's just a, it's a great sort of scene for, for getting out and a great character development scene where suddenly he's gone from this prisoner, this you know, thirteen years on his own, gets out and he and then he gets back to uh, Marseille, Bordeaux, Marseille. He gets back to Marseille and he learns about his family and learns about what's gone on. And he because he knew he'd been uh, betrayed, but he didn't know just how badly it was, you know. So his uh, his friends ran off with his um, his girlfriend at the time. They're married and um, yeah. So then he's got this elaborate revenge plot, and um, it's just so well done. It's perfect. I mean, Guy Pearce is just such a great. Just a really good job of being a baddie, and you you can fully believe that that this guy is, you know, he, he he's really nasty. He, he can, uh, and it's just so well acted, so well, um, so well, just so believable. Actually, I it took, it took me a little while to um to grasp it the first night because I was a bit tired, but um, I watched it again the second time round, and um, actually paid attention, and um, I, th- I think that's part <laughs> of the, the key because because he's a um, paying attention is the key, right? <laughs> <laughs> the key to any film really. So uh, it was just, it was perfect and it's so well, not perfect, I'll, t- I'll take that back, it's not perfect, but it's a really good, um, really good adaptation of that story, of it, you know, and it's quite a tried and tested story, you know, the, the revenge s- setup. it's been done loads of times, but this is a really good version of it um, and it's, it's brilliantly shot, well paced as well, which I, I found um, really helped me, is that you have it because it's quite a long middle section, but it's just... Um, accented with these nice action scenes you know little fight scenes and quite realistic fight scenes as well actually there's not you haven't gone over the top on the soundscapes so when you've got the uh the swords uh clattering it's not like an over the top uh medieval sounds type like scene. Swords. it sounds yeah. like sword yeah it doesn't sound like um some sort of it, it's not like a superhero yeah. style um uh, soundscape so it's um it felt realistic in in, in such senses as, as you know his historical um pieces um, where have I got there? But yeah, it's just it's nicely shot. I really enjoyed it. It's, um, I think it's a good film. It's a great story, which you can you can get behind and enjoy it. So it's very entertaining. It's not a um, not a difficult watch. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, Ozzy. Uh, Joel, what do you say to all of that? Okay, so you know, as, as Ozzy said, nearly every generation has some sort of kind of rehash of this story. Uh, so in order for it to work, really, it needs to kind of be spot on and. To be fair, it is well made, the film, but the issue is that all the guts and really the the best parts have been sucked out of this in an, in an attempt to make it politically correct. So the story, it's a classic one, and yet the kind of filmmaker, he tampers with it so heavily that in his attempts to make it more palatable for modern audiences um, that it just kind of falls flat. Uh, there's a lot of goofy comedy, mostly uh, courtesy of Guzman's sidekick, uh, there's like this, uh, there's like this yeah. kind of swooning romance. There's no real nastiness, um, which there should be, and that is kind of where the story hinges. Uh, but above all, there's extremely clear cut lines between good and evil, which again just further dilutes the story. You never really remotely in doubt as to who to root for here, even from the get go. You know, even Edmund's obsessive quest for revenge—it's it's morally pure in this version of the film. Uh, and it features one of the blandest, dumbest heroes uh, that, that you can imagine, really. And, and, and that's, that's Dantes or Edmund. Uh, so he's a French sailor, and his kind of naivety really uh, becomes his downfall. 
His dialogue is so terrible that in many ways Guy Pearce tries to overcompensate for it a little bit. Uh, he gives kind of a very, very hammy, villainous uh, portrayal uh, that really only lacks like a, a pencil moustache and an evil laugh uh, <laughs> to kind of round off the stereotype. Uh, and Edmund's kind of, you know, I, I did a lot of research into comparing this to the book and some of the other versions of the film. And here he comes to believe that justice uh, can be had in lieu of revenge. Uh, but it's not really quite what the book was trying to get at in its writing. And the film tries to make Edmund into a man of of depth, um, but instead it makes him into a typical action hero. Uh, in the book, the villain's weaknesses are kind of used against him, which means that by the end, the payoff, the revenge, is much more uh, kind of satisfying and much more painful for, for, the, for the villain. Uh, whereas here... Uh, Edmund takes his revenge in this kind of absurd, hilariously overblown, Hollywoodized version of revenge, and, and that's one of the biggest uh, kind of things you can say about this film. They've just completely Hollywoodized the whole story. Um, the The Count of Monte Cristo, the the book, is it's the classic revenge story, and Hollywood have basically said that story isn't good enough for us. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna change it. We're gonna ratchet up. We're going to make it bigger and badder and nastier than it has to be. But exactly you, that. You know, it, pretty much my argument. My second argument is is just that it's, it's, it's a classic <laughs> revenge story, but bigger, badder, <laughs> rushed up a notch. So that it isn't a good thing at all. You've already got the, the perfect revenge story there, and the, they've just changed it for for no apparent reason. Uh, you know, there's no subtlety about it, and there's nothing about you know revenge is supposedly a dish best served cold, and there's just none of that here. Um, it's just over-bastardized. And it's really essentially a character-driven film in that if you don't get on side, you're not really going to get anything from the whole thing. As mentioned, the revenge scenarios play out like clockwork. Uh, there's a f- very few complications to interfere in Dante's plan. Uh, Edmund is supposed to be hell- hell-bent on revenge and a kind of supremely damaged character, really, but none of that comes across, at least not in the way the character's betrayed. They throw kind of a few almost tacked on scenes where he's got like, oh, I've got scars on my back and I can't sleep on <laughs> in a bed, you know, I've got to sleep on the floor. But emotionally, you just don't get anything <laughs> from the character. And there's a few kinds of routine twists that pop up, but we don't feel them the way that we should. And the film's final third becomes almost preordained. The excitement and suspense promised by the opening simply fizzles out. It leaves us nothing to do uh, other than look at the nice scenery and pretty costumes and it's pretty much a film of two halves for me. As soon as Edmund escapes the prison, the film just takes a really horrible turn. And part two is basically uh, Dante's escape uh, and rebirth as the the Count of Monte Cristo. But this is where like the sidekick Louis Guzman comes in, and is it's just wisecrack after wisecrack, uh, and it kind of borders on the sticky. Really, it's it's almost as if the filmmaker couldn't decide what type of film he wanted to make. And the combination and contrast of both parts makes the second act especially jarring. Holy shit. Oof. I know. Oof. <laughs> wow. Um, lots to lots to get through on there. Um, character witnesses, I do need some help on this. Um, so a big thing talking about there, you know, Ozzy's saying there's like lots going on. There's Paris and Napoleon. It sounds like a good sort of adventure, you know, cracking adventure. Quite short, but it's also got some like, takes its time in some interesting bits like the training sections it's kind of realistic it's got a good villain joel's saying actually they've kind of like taken away from the original story and you aren't really invested in the characters that's kind of my main that's my first point so dave mm. when you were watching it were you invested did you care what happened to these characters Cause the revenge story we do need to be caring about what happens to them yeah i did care to be honest with you, i can't really disagree with anything that either austin or joel have said they're both on the money here, to be fair. Um, yeah, I was invested in the characters. I thought, yeah, Jim Caviezel, I see what, what Joel was saying. Some of the dialogue does not help him. I don't think it's his performance per se. I think it's just the script was a little bit leaden for him to deliver convincingly at times. Um, but I, you could still get behind him. It's still a character you like. You know, he's an altogether decent guy. You can still be in his corner. And similar with Guy Pearce, you you do not like him whatsoever. You know, I watched this with with Cat at the weekend, and uh, whenever Guy Pearce was doing something dastardly, like Joel said, I could envision him with a mustache. <laughs> it was just like, what a dick. Too, <laughs> so it's like, too you hammy. hate the bad guy. No, it, it, it serves its purpose. It, it, you do genuinely dislike the man. You've got to remember, it's a kid's film. It's PG. 
that yeah, it's not a kids it. film, but no, it's, <laughs> it's for young. It's for young teens. If I would ga- say, it's if a you're a Gav type of kid, then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. okay, it's got some adult content, but it's essentially for like young the sex teens, scenes. I'd say. <laughs> okay, thank you. And Gav, uh, the revenge story, like pretty crucial. Like like Joel saying, it's kind of kind of like one of the classic tales of revenge. W- were you interested in it? Did you think it was an interesting way of doing a revenge story? Yeah, I did. To be honest. I, I, the same with Dave, really, I I can agree with a lot of what both of them are saying, to be fair. With with regards to the revenge, some of it felt a little bit rushed, to be fair. It feels like the pacing was a little off in some places. Like, it was quite nice to see Richard Harris in, like, a really big role. And the scenes that he were in was was an absolute delight, to be honest. And as as he said, the training scenes were really great and beautifully shot. But then the end... The last, say, like you know, half or, or whatever, you know, when he has become the mount, the, the mount of County Cristo, it's <laughs> <laughs> become him. Um, it just seems a little bit rushed to me, and a bit, a bit false. I mean, like with regards to revenge, to me, it doesn't really feel like anybody gets a massive comeuppance. I wanted to see more. I wanted to you see know- people. Like really, really meeting horrible ends. That's exactly my point, really. Well, in the in the book and the other versions, the guy at the end gets a really fucking big comeuppance, and here he's just kind of you know let off the hook. Yeah, is he, is he, is he, he does, does Guy Pierce get it in the end? He gets, he gets stabbed through the chest. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It, it's not like satisfying to watch though in in any way. What would you? No, that is true. That's what would true. you like to have to Guy Pierce? I, I, I was I, not not what Alex is demonstrating here, but I would have liked to have seen maybe something bigger and bolder, and you know, like a big final bit anticlimactic. Though. Yeah, it did feel a bit uh, not so much Guy Pierce's, but the other the ones, other the, the other guys, uh, they felt a little bit sort of anticlimactic. Guy Pierce's was better than the other two villains in the piece, but it could have been better. I quite like James Frayne's comeuppance, to be honest with you. I thought that was thought that was quite good. When he's in uh, steamer. In the was... carriage and they, oh, give yeah, him yeah. A, they give him a pistol. It's like gentleman's <laughs> privilege and he clicks it and it's empty. And it's yeah. like, Do you no. think it would be that easy? <laughs> no, I thought it was nicely done. I thought it was dragged out long enough in order that you get to see everybody's um, revenge sequence, you know, what happens to them in time. But uh, yeah, I can, you know, Joel's got a point as well. That because, the, they're, they're, you know, there's quite a bit of revenge to get through and it's not... A, not a massively long film, relatively long, but not massively long. So, you know, to fill together that, but I, I think I think it's um, I think it's dealt with nicely, like just the right amount of time. Okay, cool. Thanks very much. Right, second points, Joel, you're up. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit more in detail about the the casting characters. So, not in any particular order here, really, but Edmund's fiance, Mercedes. She's just completely fucking terrible. That the actress, <laughs> Dag, Dagmara. I'm not even going to pronounce a surname i'm sorry it's like Dom, dominique's Dom, uh Dom, dominic dominic something like that uh so she the the logic here is just i mean i suppose it's a problem with the story more than anything but she waits a whole month after a supposed beloved has been imprisoned before giving up on him and, and marrying his best friend um which was a, a little bit weird okay so guzman in particular he looks particularly ill-suited to this sort of swashbuckling role and he's mostly responsible for the ill-informed comedy in the second half of the film uh Caviezel, he doesn't portray enough range of emotion for me to portray edmund like this is a guy who's just completely damaged and he's that hell-bent on revenge that he is foregoing everything in life even the scene where he uh, kind of reunites with his uh kind of beloved if you like he just doesn't really display that emotion that you f- that you can see what he's feeling. Uh, and he only really expresses uh, like a kind of almost like a cycle of facial expressions in the whole film. And he just decides to, to use a handful of them at, at one time. Uh, and he's kind of got that robust Hollywood constitution. Again, a problem with, with some of the finer details, but it allows him to survive a dozen years, a dozen years or more <laughs> on one meal of slop per day. Uh, plus the occasional rat, but he's not malnourished at all, and he regains plenty of stamina to practice sword fighting. Uh, so, like I say, just finer details, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Pierce, as mentioned, you know, he is a very, very hammy villain. His performance is actually okay. It's just, I think it's just how he's asked to show it. As Dave said, you do despise him, but it's in a very, very generic Hollywood movie villain type of way. And as mentioned in my first point, you're never in doubt here as to, you know, what is the good side and what is the bad side. 
which is definitely something which is lacking from this film. It's just good versus evil. There's there's no kind of grey area in between. Um, Richard Harris gives a good performance, and his kind of sequence kind of coincides really with the most interesting scenes in the film, which are the which are the parts in the prison. Uh, the rest of the cast is really non-descript. I kind of had a look through the the list, you know, and I just couldn't really pick out anybody that that made me stand up and uh, you know, kind kind of I could pick out from the crowd. But the rest of them just do nothing. They're just kind of there to fill in the numbers. Uh, so in all, the cast is solid. You know, the the actual actors and actresses that is are solid are solid picks. It's just they're not brought to life in the way that they should be. They don't do the source material justice. Uh, And most of all, it's just been turned into a Hollywood version of the book, which has resulted in a less memorable and watered-down experience. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so there's a few things to touch on there. So that bit about about Mercedes is that the month is that she gets told he's dead, like almost immediately. He gets taken away and and he's been killed because he was uh, treasonous, you know. So, So in terms of waiting a month, you know, maybe the timescale... Seems short to us, but I think they're you know for the time and in the setting, that's perfectly legitimate. That's fine. She was um, you know she's being suited by courted by lots of people, um, so and it's, like, and it's dealt with in the story. As far as as uh, as far as she's concerned, he is dead, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, and no, where were we again? Guzman, I think Guzman was brilliant. I thought he was hilarious. You know, and as, I'm not going to do the accent, but he had some great lines. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it's like uh, he says. Uh, there was one bit where he says um, to, to prove that he's trustworthy. I swear on my dead relatives, and he says, uh, and, and even the ones that are not feeling so good. You know, it's just, <laughs> but his timing is just brilliant throughout. I thought he was great, and it was just it was good comic relief because otherwise it could be quite a serious, um, almost boring film. But the pacing of putting him in. Uh, and he just adds like a, a new touch, you know, because otherwise you've just got guys with really posh British accents um, set in France, you know, <laughs> really well-dressed people with, with, with posh accents having, having a chat, going through the story. Um, where else did we have? So, um, uh, well, I can't remember we, uh, what other bit, who else you had a little uh, gripe with there. But, um, it, but in terms of the, the sort of the character development, I felt it was... Um, I thought he was done. I thought he was done well. You know, the whole point is that it, it, it the uh, fuck. I've totally, I've totally lost what you were talking about. So I Dante, Dante, is Dante bland? No, I don't think Dante is bland. It's just he's got. It's not a great script. You know, the script because it's taken from the book and then it's been adapted. And I don't think the um, thing we have got to remember is that this is a this is an adaptation. It's not the book that we're trying to judge, and we're not judging how close to the source material it is what they've done is uh, is they've changed it enough because the kind of the idea what the what they've gone for here what um what's the directors the guy who did waterworld kevin reynolds he um you know he's, he's changed the idea of this he's not going for the the book's message he's trying to say that vigilante revenge isn't the right the right course you know and i think he does a good job of that because you you spend so long seeing what he's gone through getting you know annual whippings He's uh, being fed, and you're whippings. Yeah, yeah, he, gets yeah. he gets he gets a whipping on every uh, on the anniversary of his uh, his confession. Um, you know, for 13 years. I mean, considering that he only gets it once a year, he's got a lot of scars. I won't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fresh scars. But we're going to test this that, theory out later on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he just whipped once? No, every no, he's given a, he's given a, a good times. he's given a good whipping. Yeah, but every, once every year. Yeah, yeah, so he's had a year. It's fine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the same amount of times I get a colonoscopy, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'll tell you right now, the scars, they don't heal. But, Jesus Christ. <laughs> As George you can't speak anymore. I mean, I was already a little bit thrown off, but now I'm... Yeah, so anyway, I think it takes a time in that scene, so you really grow with him, so he's he's not seen bland because you're learning with him you're going through you know he said you suffer alongside him as a hero and you get to you get to think about what his actions are going to do so when it does come to the revenge scene think like in gladiator you know when he gets to his revenge scene it's just like just i'm the hero i'm just going to destroy everyone whereas in this um you know well if you do that this is going to be this is going to end up bad you know bad for you bad for everyone um so you so when he it isn't quite as bad you know it isn't quite uh the, the fully fledged uh, killing it you don't mind it so much it actually feels a, a little bit more uh humane you know it feels like the right thing to have done 
Um, <laughs> I am totally gone. I'm going to have to cut a little bit of that. Sorry, man. Um, I just... I, Is the cast a bit... Joel said the cast was a bit forgettable. I actually... Well, so in terms of there's no standout um, other person, yeah, but the supporting cast, I think, really helped prop the other three up. You know, there's there's no one out there. You wouldn't say somebody really shines. That I totally agree with that. No, not one of the the other characters are like, oh shit, they've stolen the show here. But they are, they all have a little part to play, and they do a really good job of it. None of it was um, none of it was none of it was shit. You didn't go, what was that? But also, none of it was um, none of it was sublime. You know, so it was um, they just they're in the part, and it felt believable. It just you know you're following these three characters. You know, mainly Dante's. But as you as he meets new people and they they telling them little bits of information, whatever they they, they fit right in really nicely. Um, okay, so yeah, I, I, they don't stand out, but they don't stand out for a bad reason. Yeah, either. exactly, not for a good or a bad reason. Okay. They they are there and they yeah. do their role and they do it well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. Right, casting characters. Gav, um, is Joel right when he's saying that you know Mercedes is just bad? Is, oh, is... mate. Honestly, she is a complete wet sandwich. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, she's. <laughs> She's just a really, really poorly written character, and it's it's unfair not, because not acting <clears throat> character. No, no, I think the the, the, the actress um, did, did a good job with what she had, but the character is just really, really poorly written. It always annoys me. I know I talk about you know kind of um, gender stereotypes in films, and you know not sort of like gender equality when it comes to roles. And I can I can say that this is already based on a pre existing work. So you so yeah from. Yeah, to a put long, like long time exactly. Ago. So yeah. to put more female characters into it, maybe the director was thinking, oh, I don't want to add more characters to it." But if you've got one female character, yeah, just flesh her out a little bit. I, I know that maybe there is the argument that we can't change the character too much, but they've changed a lot of the other characters quite considerably from the actual novel. So she just seemed like she was there to interact with Guy Pearce kind and Jim plot, Caviezel. Plot point more than her it's, own. Yeah, and it's, it's, she was essentially she, like a prop more than she was a, 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 an actual character. Yeah, yeah, I got and, yeah, that's and true. That's when um, Joel was saying about like the, the slut shaming earlier, which is it kind of, it feels that way when Jim Caviezel comes back into it later on. He's like, well, how could you get over me? He's like, well, to be honest me, I thought you were dead. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, a, I thought you were yeah, dead. Yeah. B, I was, I was pregnant and you yeah, know she's, it, she's pregnant with his yeah yeah mm-hmm. but so that's why she needs to be in that in that uh, at that time yeah, you know yeah. that's how she explains <laughs> it. i don't think that was the case in the novel i think that's something they did for the book uh from the book so yeah yeah the that, was, that was something that they've changed so uh, for that because they didn't there want it to think that he was forgettable um so you know she, that, that's why she moved on quickly because she wanted to cover up the pregnancy uh, you know, just the way that he, he he talks about it later on, even when she explains herself, he's still a bit like on the fence, and it's just a bit. Like, oh, come on, mate! You know what I mean? Get over it. But um, I, 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 <laughs> the lover wanted to sat down at Mendante for the drink and said, yeah, "Come on, mate!" Just, just, well, the the lover, you're carrying your child. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just you know, like I mean, like you know, yeah, okay, you've been imprisoned for thirteen years. You've been whipped annually. I mean, you know, she's had shit going on as well. Get over it, pal. Yeah. But uh, so for me, I was talking to about Dave beforehand. It was just me, or was the kids like much older than than he should have been? I mean, like Henry Cavill, uh, I think his, his first role played the, played their son, and I thought he was supposed to be about like fifteen or whatever. But he looked at least thirty. <laughs> he had like a five o'clock shadow for the majority <laughs> of the film. I think he was meant to be like sixteen, seventeen. Was he? Like how that? how yeah. if he's only been away for thirteen years? Because he's been on the boat for a few years as well. He was he on the boat for three oh, years. Okay, Become an account. Became an account. That entrance when he's the count, by the way, in the balloon. That's incredible. I thought you said an accountant. Takes more than three years. <laughs> the accountant of Monte Cristo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must have had a hard job. He must have had a hard job with all the money he found. There, to be fair, you need one. That's the story. That's the story we need to tell. <laughs> but talking talking about Superman before, like one of my biggest problems with this is the, the disguise. Yeah, no, just the disguise that the Count implements, which is essentially <laughs> a goatee. goatee. And it's like you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to diss uh, Fernand and Mercedes, but you know, like this is your best friend and the love of your life. And you've forgotten what he looks like. Yeah, he's been away for sixteen years though as well. Like, I mean, he's grown a goatee and he's been away for sixteen. I years, tell you right so. now, if somebody that we were in school with sixteen years ago, like <laughs> came back with a goatee, I'd pretend I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, <all>. exactly. <laughs> but you would know. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're doing. It's just 
Hey, is that guy uh, Dante's? <laughs> oh, Jesus, it is as well, isn't it? Let's just pretend that we're not onto it. Okay, moving on from Dante's goatee, Dave, that's been covered. Just saying about the cast, like, is the rest of the cast a bit forgettable? Like, Ozzy's sort of saying, yeah, but that's not really a bad thing. But is it a bad thing? Like, you know... Is Harris really good in it? Uh, it's not an ensemble piece, to be honest with you. So some of the supporting cast, although they may not be memorable, that, that's acceptable. It's okay. Harris is a bigger role. He's not just an ensemble piece, and he is fantastic. I'd say probably he is the best performer in the whole film. I think Richard Harris steals the show. You know, it, you wish you'd seen more of him, but then too much of a good thing. His character mm. served its purpose. It was right that he left the way he did. Uh, but yeah, Richard Harris is fantastic. I'm kind of with Joel when he talks about Louise Guzman. He does look and feel a bit out of place. And the way he's carrying himself, I think he knows he's a bit out of place. Um, He he never seems to quite settle into this role. I don't think historical epics are his thing. But um, there are some good moments in the supporting cast. I said Guy Pearce and Jim Caviezel, they're very good. I'm disappointed that Helen McCrory didn't get a bigger role in this. You know, she steals the, what, three or four scenes she's in. She's Your eyes are just drawn to her. She's got she's an incredible actress with incredible presence. I wish they'd... they'd uh, made her character a bit bigger. So yeah, there are there are some gems hidden in the supporting cast. Just last thing, you said that Dantes and Fernand were very good. You'd you'd stand you'd say both of them were I'd the say, characters and the actors. I'd say Guy Pierce is very good. I'd say there's nothing wrong with the characters per se. It's it's the, the problem is the script. The script is a bit leaden, I think is the word. Jim Caviezel, he's not a bad actor. He doesn't give a bad performance but there's only so much he can do with the dialogue and script that he's given. I don't think it gives him a chance to properly explore the character. Guy Pearce doesn't need that kind of space to, ex- to explore his character. He's not the star. So I think Guy Pearce gets away with it more uh, than Jim Caviezel does. But they're both solid. I wouldn't say either of them are bad by any stretch. They're, they're both Jim okay. Caviezel, I mean, because he is the Count of Monte Cristo, yeah. so he's not really... You didn't yeah, find it doesn't him. quite hit the spot, but like I said, I don't know how much blame is to be laid on his shoulders for that. Memorable performance from Jim Caviezel, Gav? I thought he was all right, yeah. Okay. I mean, right. you know, he was no Jesus Christ, but... <laughs> Good comparison. <laughs> yeah. only... I'm talking about his most memorable role, yeah. you know, but... Right, cool. Uh... <laughs> Just cut that bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like some... I'm probably going to leave it all in. <laughs> I'd like some summing up points. Uh... Oz, are you ready to go? Yeah, no, I'll give it a go, yeah. All right, your time starts now. So this is a classic tale um, by a classic author, and it's um, and it's been adapted brilliantly. I'd say with this, this is um, it's, it's a, a rattling good yarn. That's it's um, <laughs> I don't know why that came to me, but um, <laughs> I get it. But it does um, like honestly, it, I don't think they could have done a bad job of retelling this story because it's a good story anyway. And this adaptation, um, there's, there's nothing you could do, I don't think, to derail it. It hurtles down the, the, the track at like a, a blistering pace. A yarn. Uh, Guy Pearce and Jim Caviezel, they do a great job of bringing uh, characters to life. And and I didn't get to touch on it in the main thing, but the camera work and the scenery is absolutely beautiful at times. It's really breathtaking. Some of those set pieces are fantastic. The choreography is, is, is amazing. And I didn't give it enough justice in the main argument. I think if you were to put this film anywhere other than the hit list, it would be a bigger crime than to have aided Napoleon himself. And I strongly believe that any it's judge five that let such an injustice happen will be liable uh, to be hanged for treason. <laughs> Very nice. Was that your attempt at a flourish? Yeah, yeah I can't think of anything. <laughs> you did, you did go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you reached for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, lovely stuff. Um, Joel, all you need is a flourish. Go. Mine's short and sweet. Okay, so uh, any swordsman will tell you that it's not how you start the fight, it's how you finish it. This bit. Oh. <laughs> This film wastes a decent build-up by pissing away the payoff. <laughs> it's made by somebody who obviously loves swashbuckling adventures, but who has no clue on how to modernise them. It's good-looking, but it's poorly acted, and it's a washout. And to say the film doesn't quite recapture the thrill of the novel is like saying like a, a Diet Coke doesn't really have the same kick as heroin. <laughs> wow. Did not... I mean... Jesus, Joel, that was powerful. Uh, I stuff. thought I knew where that Diet Coke analogy was going. And <laughs> no, no, did not. Did not. From under my feet. A, no. a flourish about the Count of Monte Cristo with full of Diet Coke <laughs> and horse. Like, well, well, well done. Oh, shit, oh. Well done. Uh, lovely stuff. Dave, you've got a quiz for us. I, I don't even know. No. We do. need the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a quiz. Uh, when I was watching this film, one thing I could not escape was the fact that, that none of this is filmed in Marseille 
or <laughs> on an island off the coast of Italy. It, it's Malta. And I, I went on a holiday on Malta. It's like, I've been there. I know where that is. What's the, this is Malta. <laughs> no wonder the Count of Monte Cristo can't find his gold. He's on fucking Gozo. That's why. Uh, <laughs> they film loads in Malta, don't they? Yeah, loads. Yeah. Hence... This, oh, quiz, so this, is about, <laughs> this quiz is about films that were filmed in Malta. What's it called? The Count of Monte Camino. so the Count of Monte Cristo uses the Blue Lagoon it uses the Mediterranean Film Studios in St. Paul's Bay which are these extensive studios that make use of the the Mediterranean and film a lot of underwater scenes it also St. Mary's Tower on Camino and the Azure Window on Gozo so question number one while filming Gladiator Oliver Mm -hmm. Reed passed away in a bar in Valletta which of the following facts is false is it that he was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Supporting Actor for his role, despite having his part completed using CGI? Is it that the cost of recreating him for the film was $1.2 million? Or is it that Russell Crowe says he never got along with Reed, but that he has visited him in his <laughs> dreams since his death? Which of those facts, gentlemen, wow, is false? I, I, I thought I knew, and now I'm not sure, because Russell Crowe is mad. Um, I think $1.2 million sounds quite cheap. I was going to say that sounds quite cheap, but I'm going to say all three are true. Mm, oh no, yeah that's I'm, a dave sort of thing uh, i'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> stick, I'm gonna stick with b he I'm said one of them is false uh what was the first one again dave Sorry. the first one was that he was nominated for a bafta for best supporting actor despite the fact a lot of his role was filled in with cgi is one of them definitely false one of them's definitely false i'm, I'm gonna, gonna go with, with no cgi 1.2 1.2 million yeah, so I'm I'm gonna yeah go with, that's too low i'm gonna go with the first one Oh, you should have listened to the others, Joel. You, you guys are on the money, uh, literally. $1.2 million was too cheap. It cost $3.2 million wow. to recreate Oliver did, Reed. Did How much was he getting paid for it? Not that. <laughs> <laughs> did, he, did he say what he said to him in his dreams? Yeah, uh, Russell Crowe said that he came to him in his dreams and asked him to speak kindly of him. But Russell Crowe has refused to do so because he says we never had a nice word in life. He refused a dream version of Oliver Reed. Of Oliver Reed, Reed come <laughs> to him and be nice. Basically, it was what Oliver Reed was saying and Russell Crowe said, no, I never liked you. Has Russell Crowe made a decent film since then? <laughs> this is the ghost of Oliver, Oliver Reed's haunted his career. <laughs> That's a great name for a film, Oliver Reed's Revenge. <laughs> you heard it here Let's first. make that happen. Okay. Question number two. I'll be on our Patreon content. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. Which Bond movie made the most of the aquatic Mediterranean studio of St. Paul's Bay to film a particularly memorable, if not somewhat ridiculed sequence? Thunderball. No. Shit. Oh. <laughs> he was so confident then is, as well. Is it the, um, oh, what's, is it, is what's it the, the one with the underwater car? It's the, car. It's the underwater, you're on the money. The film was? Uh, Land with the Golden Gun. No. One of his shit, Roger Moore films. No. <laughs> yes. But, uh, a view to a kill? It, it was The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. But you're, you're on the money with that. I'll give you that. It's the underwater car sequence. I'll let you have that. Is that ridiculed? Um, yeah. People say it's a bit <laughs> naff. I think, was the word, I think that's the kindest way I've heard it put. A bit naff. I think you could sum up all of Roger Moore's Bond films with that. Bit naff. <laughs> a bit, a bit naff. <laughs> okay, question number three. The Maltese capital, Valletta, doubles for which other city in the Brad Pitt vehicle, World War Z? Oh, is it? Oh, I was going to say, is that uh, Jerusalem. Israel? Jerusalem is correct. Jerusalem is right. It's the wall scene in Jerusalem. Question number four. Robert Altman's Popeye required the crew, the crew to build the village of Sweethaven completely from scratch. The village still stands and is a popular <laughs> tourist attraction to this day. Which American comedian stars in this box office flop? Robin Williams. Robin Williams. On the money, guys. Robin Ma- Williams. Uh, true story. My mum was holidaying in Malta at the time that they were making Popeye. And there was a dispute with the actress who was originally going to play um, Olive Oil before uh, Shelley Duvall. Yeah. And she, my mum was walking past and the producers stopped her and said, how would you want to be in a film? You know, <laughs> <laughs> olive oil. Uh, Yeah, honestly, yeah. And, uh, and, and she said, oh no, because um, I've got a full-time job, so see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I she, did Shelley Duvall thank her? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remembered you telling me that story. I hoped you'd bring it up if I mentioned that. <laughs> Question number five. Which other box office bomb, which cost its production company around $147 million, was also filmed in part on Malta, making the most of the St. Paul's Bay Mediterranean studio? Waterworld? Waterworld. No. How new is the film? Mm, 90s. 147 Cotto million. Island? It is Cotto <laughs> Island. <laughs> How quickly they forget. <laughs> Try to. U571 is another film to make use of the Mediterranean Film Studio. Which rock star has a small role in the film? You know, I like to throw in questions about cameo in rock stars. Meatloaf? Key. It's not Meatloaf. Keith oh. Richards. What me- what's Meatloaf going to be doing on a summer? Meat of the Russians. <laughs> 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 
Harsh. <laughs> it's not me, love, and it's not Keith Richards. Uh, Gene Anyone Simmons. Else? It's not Gene Simmons. Anyone want to throw a name out there? Steve Bruce Springsteen. It's not Bruce Springsteen. It's Bono. Bono. No, I don't think you guys are going to get it. It's John Bon Jovi. Oh. Uh, obviously, my next name. I was obviously, pick obviously, out, yeah. we'd have got the. <laughs> King's Landing is at Valletta, by the way, as well, from Game of Thrones. It is also Medina, which is a city in the centre of the island. Yeah. Question number seven. Much of the filming of Troy took place on Malta. True or false, a plane can be seen flying overhead in one of Brad Pitt's scenes. No, that's Gladiator. No, it's the horse. It's denim jeans under the horse's uh, head in Gladiator. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yeah. true. True then, because I must have heard it from that one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say false because I barely watched Brad Pitt in that film, and I think I would have noticed a play. <laughs> it would have been more interested than what Brad Pitt was doing. I'm going to go with true. It is, in fact, false. Is this it? was a quite a big internet hoax. Loads of people were posting pictures of Troy with a superimposed plane, uh, which looked quite convincing, but it is an urban myth and an internet a hoax. Joke to play Apparently, <laughs> when people film at Kew Gardens, there's a really nice uh, scene where actually it's on the flight path. So they try and people go to film there all the time and then they end up having to uh, reshoot elsewhere because uh, and they pay a lot of money to shoot there. And, and the, it's, it's on the flight path, so it's just ruined. And no it. one tells period. them. <laughs> no, no, they keep quiet so they get money out of it. Yeah. I can only presume that's why Malta is, is filmed so much. You know, why use French islands when you can use Maltese? I don't know. I presume Malta is a bit cheaper to film it yeah, and exactly. get filming permits in. Uh, question number eight has little to do with film, to be honest with you, but it's the final one. St. Mary's Tower on Camino doubled as the Chateau d'If in Monte Cristo, despite the fact the Chateau d'If actually still stands. Like I say, I presume this was cheaper. <laughs> What is the population of the island of Camino according to a recent Maltese census? And you get whoever wins is the uh, whoever gets closest. You don't need to be spot on. Uh, uh, 90,000. On one island? Um, I'm going to say 9,000. I'll, I'll give it to you now. It's the, it's the third smallest of the four Maltese islands. Four people. <laughs> four, four people. Four one people. family, essentially. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with I'm, 450. 450. 257. 257. I'm going to say 256. 256. <laughs> no. Alex? <laughs> Alex? Oh. Uh, oh, do I get another go? I've had two already. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you want another go? <laughs> two, two, it's somewhere between four and 90,000. <laughs> you know what? 258. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're not the closest to that answer, I'm going to give it to you, Alex, because it is, in fact, four. What? The island's what? population what? genuinely <laughs> is four. What? So, uh, I told you. It's only yeah. like three kilometres or something. Is yeah, it's a very small there. island. All you got is that yeah. tower and a, a couple of little yeah. settlements. There's not much to it. Apparently, well done, that's the only Thank like you. permanent population of the island, although apparently a priest goes to visit and for some reason a policeman. <laughs> With the priest. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just to keep them in yeah. check. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with these four people. What, what problems could they possibly have that they can't sort out amongst themselves? <laughs> But yeah, that, that, that is it. That is the quiz. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that, that, was that was a really good quiz. I love that. I was... No, I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> it's not interesting. You're going to go on to an anecdote there, Alex. I was. <laughs> okay, so... Right, so, you know, sort of coming to a judgment on this one, it does sort of seem like a film I would quite like to see. It sort of sounds a little bit like a good Sunday afternoon film, and I do like my good Sunday afternoon films. It sounds like it's quite sort of just all right, you know, good performances, everything seems okay. Um, But to be honest, it doesn't sound like it really sort of hits that hit level. It doesn't sound like the characters are amazing. It sounds like quite like, from what Joel was saying, he did convince me and it's kind of made it a bit Hollywood, Uh, just sort of made it a little bit bland. And it doesn't really sound like everyone sort of agreed that really the last third didn't really make it climactic. And it didn't seem like it came together. It had a lot of good ideas, but it maybe could have been better. And I think if it had been better, it would have been a hit. So I'm actually going to put The Count of Monte Cristo on the shit list. I feel like I did it at the service. <laughs> <laughs> if I'd have had a better flourish, maybe they'd have had a better chance. It's, it's not all in the flourish. It was this time. In fairness, that was a hell of a flourish. That was a great flourish. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. he started with a good flourish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if that's the case, then last week when I did Mary Poppins, when all of my argument was just one long flourish. <laughs> uh, anyway, right, uh, so genuine opinions. Arzy, did you love it as much as you said you did? Um, no, no, I didn't. But I did have to watch it twice to get through. And the second time around, I got it a bit more and was into it. So I think... It's never a good sign, that. Yeah. But I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't feeling it at all the first time around. I thought it was shit. And I would have loved to have been on the prosecution side. And then second time, yeah, I got it. It was fine. It's exactly what you said. Good, good Saturday, Sunday afternoon type film. Not one I would take someone to watch. 
Okay, and Joel, you watched it and you thought that you were the defence and wrote an argument. <laughs> <laughs> and then had to rewrite it. So uh, what did you think? Did you genuinely hate it or did you actually like it? Um, it's all right. You know, it's not terrible. It's not good. It's one of those films that could go either way. I don't think anyone's going to complain if it's on the shit list. And equally, I don't think anyone would complain if it was on the hit list. I think they missed a bit of a trick, to be honest, with not staying more faithful to how it should have been in the novel. Um, and like the what I said in the prosecution about it being Hollywoodized is is literally spot on for this film. Okay, and our last film on trial was Mary Poppins Returns, sorry, <laughs> which uh, got seven point three out of ten on IMDb. Really? Y- yes. Yeah. Sorry. Now, <laughs> look, 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 really? <laughs> <laughs> now, the Count of Monte Cristo. Do you think it scored higher or lower? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the same, I would say. I'm going to go for lower, like 7.1. Yeah, I'm with Joel, slightly lower. I'm going to say higher. Uh, uh, Alex? 7.3. All oh, right, the exact okay. same. Um, yeah, oh yeah, you did say that, sorry. Uh, I'll say you're the only one who's right. It's higher, 7.9 out of 10. That seems very high. Well, I, 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 to be honest, I am looking forward to watching this film. It still didn't sound like a hit, but I'm not like, oh God, I've got to watch this now for next week. <laughs> So enjoy, it, you know, you it. liked Romeo and Juliet, didn't you? The, did. the shit one. Um, so you'll probably enjoy this. <laughs> you you, you got to let that go. <laughs> so once again, I put a poll up on Twitter over the weekend uh, to ask our friends and followers which list the... Ca- uh, the I'm to keep on saying the Mount of Conti Mister. <laughs> Whatever that film was, uh, I asked them to decide which list it should go on. 55 votes in and 62% of our listeners decided that it should be placed on the hit list. Ooh. So, Alex, you may have ballsed up. We'll find out next week. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> now, before we adjourn this case, it's time for a little caption contest. So, uh, I've basically taken a screenshot of the film and I put it on Twitter and Facebook and asked our friends and followers to provide captions to it with the best one winning a chocolatey frog-shaped treat. Okay, so the picture is Jim Caviezel looking very despondent and bedraggled in a corner whilst an equally dishevelled Richard Harris sits over a hole holding a number of thin rectangular bricks. So first up, we've got the real ballots for best drama at the Golden Globes are buried down here somewhere. (laughs) Number two, yes, toilet paper is more absorbent, but tiles are reusable. It's more economical. (laughs) Uh, number three, see, you said I was a fool, but I told you my secret stash of Pop-Tarts would come in handy. <laughs> uh, number four, rumours that Santa has been jailed for stealing tiles off of roofs against new ground. <laughs> and the last one here is on Facebook. Um, it's from Films on Trial. Apparently, I have won a chocolatey prize. Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> so what do you reckon, guys? The Santa one for me. I like Pop-Tarts. I like the Pop-Tarts. They do look like Pop-Tarts. <laughs> well, Pop Tarts, okay. So Pop Tarts is the winning one. So congratulations to Real Happy Horror. Oh, You've man. just won yourself another Freddo. It's been ages since he's had a Freddo. <laughs> I know it's about time. And you know what he said afterwards? I thought it was quite nice. He said, um, "Not my best material. Just trying to stay relevant." Oh, but you know what? That was that was good material. So don't ever doubt yourself, I man. Liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have to apologise because I haven't said I haven't sent a Fredo out pretty much all of December. So I've got a lot, <laughs> got a lot to send out tomorrow. It's Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Yeah, would have so. got lost anyway. Exactly. So <laughs> I was thinking those hungry mailmen getting overworked over Christmas probably would have been smelling those Fredos. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Just before uh, we call it a day, I just wanted to give a shout out to one of our podcasting friends called the Cinema Guys. Uh, really, really funny guys. Uh, just. Uh, three lads just talking about films um, it's really entertaining it's really insightful as well I really enjoy it uh, you can follow them on Twitter at The Cinema Guys they're really really engaging as well you know I send them lots of messages and they respond within minutes to be fair really funny as well and check out their website uh, wearethecinemaguys.com as this episode was going on we have pulled the next film out of the hat at random and it is Sin City and that is another suggestion by one of our followers. And I think, I can't remember, I think it may be from my cousin's son. Cousin's son? Cousin's cousin? What's the correct way of saying that? Your second cousin? I my think? second cousin. Uh, uh, yeah, my second cousin, Joel. Joel, the, the most um, 
the best Joel that I know, to be honest. <laughs> uh, or second best, I should say, after Billy Joel. Does that count? Um, so uh, we have also picked out the roles at random. And in the role of defense, it is me. In the role of prosecution, it is... I've written down the word prosecution. I think I meant Alex. Yes. <laughs> uh, character witnesses are Joel and Ozzy. And that means, Dave, you are the judge. Nice. So just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. We really, really do appreciate it. But please remember to like, share and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your barbers, hire a plane, do some skywriting. Just spread the warm joy that is Films on Trial, like warm Nutella on soft bread. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Film Trials, where you can recommend warm films. Nutella. <laughs> warm Nutella. Why wouldn't you have toast and norm on Nutella? Well, listen, right, some people... <laughs> Like Nutella on bread. I'll just put my tub of mic, my tub of Nutella in the microwave. <laughs> yeah, have you never done that? Put your tub of Nutella in the microwave and put it on bread. Oh, there's foil in the lid. Well, obviously, that's very, that's you very pick, dangerous. You pick all the foil well, off the lid. How can you be sure you got all the foil? You can, you can be sure, all right. <laughs> or just put it in a pan. Put it in a pan. Warm up the pan. Sounds like a lot of effort. Then you got to wash a pan. Burn the chocolate. <laughs> Waste of Nutella, mate. Like I honestly didn't think that this would cause that much of a debate. <laughs> Right, what about um, like, but like so warm, wait, warm Nutella on soft toast? So you genuinely thought that soft saying toast. something like that to this so group of guys wasn't going to cause an issue? So if you put bread in a toaster, it becomes hard. That's the entire point, Jesus. I feel like Nutella should be served at room temp anyway. Room temp Nutella. Like, like red wine. Oh, but hang on, hang on. Let me do it again, so right? So you keep your Nutella in the fridge? No, I keep it in a, in a cupboard. Yeah, okay. It's perfect temperature for there spreading. Room temp. Like you, you're just warm, it harder. Warm. You want warm. I like warm chocolate. Put, put it or put it, it under gets, the grill. It melts when you put it on hot bread. Right, why, why didn't you spread yeah, it on to- bread exactly. and put the, the the toast warms the Nutella? Oh, for fuck's sake! Right, <laughs> <laughs> just fucking just share and subscribe, would you? Please don't edit this. Aussie. <laughs> no, I love it. Remember, remember. However, do check us out on Twitter at uh, Film Trials. Recommend a film for us to put on trial. We will whack it in the hat. Also, check out our website, filmsontrial.co.uk, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Films on Trial. So, the Count of Monte Cristo, got it right, has been put on trial, and it is a shit. (laughs) 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 But be, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week when we will be in your ears with Sin City. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. (laughs) 